Amen. I love to hear men sing with commitment. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles again to Philippians chapter 4. I'll make my prayer. We'll go into the message. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we do come before you, and I thank you, God, that your word tells us where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. You've told us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves one with another, as the manner of some is, and more so in the day approaching. And Father, the day for our Savior's return is approaching. Lord, we never thought this country could be where it is even four years ago. So God, we pray that you'd just be with every person that's here this morning. Father, I ask that they come apart from the cares of the world. They open their hearts and their minds to the leading of the Spirit. Father, I pray, Father, you can help them to come apart before they fall apart. If there's someone here that doesn't know Christ as Savior, I pray today could be the day of salvation for them. Just bless this service, Father, and I ask you to take control of my mind, my mouth, the actions of my hands and feet, that Jesus can be honored and glorified in the preaching of your word, and help us, as I said earlier, to be good because we've been in the house of the Lord together. Help us to know when we leave this place, we go to, out into the mission field, the lost and dying world. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before I preach, I can't remember if I, I don't think I've read this one to you before, but little Johnny burst through the, the front door of his house with a smile on his face, and his mother was surprised, and she asked him, why are you home so, from school so early? Johnny said, they let me come home early because I was the only one who could answer a really tough question. Oh, really? What was the question? His mother asked. He said, who threw the eraser at the teacher? Okay. Isn't that kid's last name must have been Legault? George was going up to bed when his wife told him he'd left the light on in the garden shed, which she could see from the bedroom window. George opened the back door to turn off the lights, but saw there were people in the shed stealing things. He phoned the police, who asked, is someone in your house? This is very apropos for today with the problems we have with the lack of police. And the police asked, is someone in your house? And he said, no. Then said that all the patrols were busy, and he should simply lock his door, and an officer would be along when available. George said, okay, hung up, counted to 30, and phoned the police again. Hello, I just called you a few seconds ago because there were people in my shed. Well, you don't have to worry about them now because I shot them all. Then he hung up. Within five minutes, three police cars, an armed response unit, and an ambulance showed up at George's residence. Of course, the police caught the burglars red-handed. One of the policemen said to George, I thought you said you'd shot them. George says, I thought you said there was nobody available. And my wife is not here, and so, Judy, if you're listening, honey. After putting her children to bed, a mother changed into old slacks, a droopy blouse, and proceeded to wash her hair. She then carefully applied cold cream all over her face except her eyes, which she outlined with a different cream. She then proceeded to put her hair in high rollers. As she heard the children getting more and more rambunctious upstairs, she, her patience grew thin. At last, she threw a towel around her head and stormed upstairs into their bedroom, putting them back to bed with stern warnings. 
As she left the room, she heard a little three-year-old say with a trembling voice, Who was that? Amen. Okay, now down to business. Next Sunday, we start our missions conference. The purpose of our Faith Promise Missions Conference, and I talked with Pastor Dunbar. People call it by different names. There was a time when people didn't understand Faith Promise Missions Giving. It was something Pastor Christian, when he was the pastor, didn't want to start in our church because of the way it was being done, and it wasn't being done scripturally. We do it scripturally here, and you'll see that. It's called Faith Promise Missions Giving here. It's called Purpose Giving at the Brother Dunbar's church. There are other different names, but it's Biblical Giving. Okay, for missions. In our missions conference, the purpose is for us to recommit the heart of this church to missions. Amen? You are this church. If you're here and you're saved, you're a member of this church, you're this church. It's not a building. It's you and your family. When you leave, the church leaves here. The building stays. You can just ask Cheryl, there's other things that come into this building when you leave. It can get really different. Anybody who comes into the building alone at times, you can ask Sabrina. You can ask Pastor Kenny and I. Because when you take the believer out who has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, something else wants to fill this building. Because they want to draw it down. And when the Holy Spirit is not there and human beings aren't there, there's no flesh, what kind of spirit permeates? And that's for all you who believe in Halloween. Missions is the center of your Bible. Missions is the center of the Gospel. Jesus' statement to the disciples, just before he ascended into heaven, he said in verse 18, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. In verses 19 through 20, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You know what missions is? Missions is someone going to someone else with the Word of God. If you pray every day for God to give you someone to go to, you know what He will do? He'll give you someone. That's why I, always with me I have tracts in New Testament. I've gone through Walmart one time, and Mike Viscom was right in front of me, and he goes, no, you don't, no, you don't. And he wanted to make sure to give the cashier and the lady in front of him the track before I could. And he won. <laughs> okay. My track was nicer than his, but he won. No. no. If you're saved, whether you want to believe it or not, you were a missionary, you were a priest of the Most High God. You want your children to have a, a heart for missions? They'll see that if their parents have a heart for missions. Do you ever think about this? Who was the very first missionary with the New Testament gospel? 
Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. What did he do? He left home, went to a foreign field. Amen? To bring mankind a message of sacrifice for them. Do you know what missions is? It's a message of sacrifice for their sin. If you are the church, if you're committed, I, should, I shouldn't stop there, should I? I shouldn't say if you're committed. You ever been committed? If you're committed to missions, then you need to be here. If you're not committed to missions, you need to get right with God. It's his heartbeat. You can find Jesus Christ in every book of the Bible if you're looking for him. We used to have a missionary, Mike, down in Mike Robinson in Bolivia. He could preach missions out of every chapter of the Bible. Every chapter. See, missions is giving the gospel. It's telling others. Missions giving is so that others can go in your place. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Start at verse 3. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Philippi. And he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy, for you all making request with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. They had fellowship in what? The fellowship, they were having fellowship in the gospel with the Apostle Paul, the missionary, see? Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. We, I love that verse. That means God doesn't give up on me. But you know what the context is? Them sharing Paul's burden for the gospel and for missions. That's the context. Because he says, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, and as much as much is both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all what? Partakers of my grace. You look at that. You know what their fellowship included? It included believing what Paul preached. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you're not sure if you were to die that you would go to heaven. You want to go to heaven? Trust Jesus Christ. You want to go to hell? Any other way will help you split it wide open. The message is repentance towards God and faith towards Jesus Christ for salvation. So their fellowship included believing what Paul preached, passing the message on to others, supporting him financially while he preached to others, and supporting him verbally before his enemies. As a pastor... Pastor Kenny's a pastor. We get a chance. We get to get into more intimate conversations with missionaries. They come under attack in their families, in their message, in their marriages, in the raising of their children. 
You don't believe me? Talk to a missionary's wife. Difference of things, and you know, they're there because you're not there. And you give so they can be there. They were supporting him verbally before his enemies. You know what Christians ought to have? Each other's backs. Amen? That's the unity of the Spirit. They're praying for his success in preaching the Gospel. They're showing concern for his ministry when everything went wrong. Do you know in modern Christianity today, in many places, churches would, they would drop Paul because he didn't have enough converts? Well, how many made a profession and how many were baptized? He started a church in two weeks. Good church. He also was at a church for two years. They're not all the same, are they? Aren't you glad that God's understanding of quality and what is good and acceptable and perfect is different than mankind's? And see, part of their support of his missions work was their giving for it. Because he was going where they could not or would not. Understand me? Back in 1970, that's before many of you were born, the church thought they were doing good and it wasn't because 85% of all the money given to the Bible-believing churches stayed within the churches for their own needs. Only 15% went to outreach. I'm not talking missions. I'm talking to general outreach. It's worse than that today. You know that? I'm the pastor of this church. I have a rough understanding of the outreach finances of this church. What is given to missions? I don't know what anybody else gives to missions but me. I don't ask for the information, and my treasurer, Pastor Kenny and I, our treasurer, wouldn't give it to us if we wanted it. We tell them we don't want that. You want liberty to preach, okay? I don't know what the percentage is. But I know this, this church wants to please God. Wants to please God. And today we're going to see what God calls missions giving. What he calls missions giving. Before I, I get started, I want to read something to you. This was written by Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he says, I remember once hearing a preacher tell a story which he assured us was simple, literal truth. It illustrates perfectly the point we are considering. It is the story of a farmer who one day went happily and with great joy in his heart to report to his wife and family that their best cow had given birth to two twin calves, one red and one white. And he said, you know, I have suddenly had a feeling and an impulse that we must dedicate one of these calves to the Lord. We will bring them up together, and when the time comes, we will sell one and keep the proceeds, and we will sell the other and give the proceeds to the Lord's work. His wife asked him which he, one he was going to dedicate to the Lord. He says, there's no need to bother about that now. He replied, we will treat them both in the same way, and when the time comes, we will do as I say. And off he went, and in a few months, the man entered the kitchen looking very miserable and unhappy. When his wife asked him what was troubling, he answered and said, I have bad news to give you. The Lord's calf just died. 
But she said, you had not decided which was to be the Lord's calf. Oh, yes, he said, I had always decided it was to be the white one, and it is the white one that has died. The Lord's calf is dead. And you can laugh at that story, but God forbid we should be laughing at ourselves. It is always the Lord's calf that dies. When money becomes difficult, the first thing we economize on is our contribution to God's work. It is always the first thing to go. Perhaps we must not say always, for that would be unfair, but with so many it is the first thing, and the things we really like are the last to go. We cannot serve God in mammon. These things tend to come between us and God, and our attitude to them ultimately determines our relationship to God. The mere fact that we believe in God and call him Lord, Lord, and likewise with Christ, it is, is not that proof of itself that we are serving him? He's Lord. That we recognize his totalitarian, totalitarian demand and have yielded ourselves gladly and readily to him. Let every man examine himself. That's the question that will be asked tonight during the Lord's table. I encourage you to come back tonight for the communion service. So let a man examine himself. That's in regards to how we give and what we give to the Lord. See, I don't know, but I want you to know in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, if you'll turn there with me, our opening text, he says, But I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a what? Order of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. A sweet smell. Do you know what missions giving is to God in heaven? That's the Lord God opening the door of the kitchen. When His favorite dessert is being prepared. I liked coming in the house the other day. I came in and I could smell oatmeal raisin, oatmeal chocolate chip, oatmeal applesauce with nuts. And then there was a tag put on them that said, don't touch. My wife's the tag, but Carla loves me, and the tag disappeared. You know what that smell is? Do you ever, how many, I don't know about you, but I love Thanksgiving coming in. I've been hunting in the morning, and I walk in, and I smell that turkey and the gravy. And sometimes we do a ham also. and the apple pie, and the pumpkin pie, mashed potatoes, homemade dressing. <sighs> no squash at my, no, there, <laughs> there is squash at my table because other people in my house eat it. And then my wife says, you have to put on a good example for the grandchildren. So I'll have a spoonful of squash. I like taking my squash in a crust 
baked because that's what pumpkin is, all right? But it's a sweet-smelling savory. Doesn't that just bring pleasant? If you had that in your history, memories to you? I don't care whatever meal it is for you. Maybe it's seafood. I don't care what it is. But it says it's a sweet-smelling savor. A sweet smell. An odor of a sweet smell sacrifice acceptable. Well-pleasing to God. I've used this before, but I'm old enough that I remember a comedian. I wasn't allowed to watch him because of who he was. But he used to end the show called The Honeymooners saying how sweet it is. Do you realize God does that too? How sweet it is? A sweet smell before God? Wouldn't you like yourself and what you do to bring a sweet smell before the throne of God? All sweet smells that come to God for mankind must start with Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, the Bible says all our righteousnesses outside of Him are as filthy rags. I'm telling you, you may think you're right before the world, you may think you're good, you're better than other people, but you stink in the nostrils of God because your sin is uncovered and it's festering. And the only way to get it clean, and the only way for the smell to go away, and the only way for you to have your sins forgiven is to be willing to acknowledge you're a sinner, knowing that there's a cost, an eternity in hell for that sin, and that Jesus Christ is the only Savior, the only payment that can take away the stink, the stench, and the stain of your sin. If you don't know him as Savior, that's the way God sees you. You may look good to me or someone else, but to God, you stink. And no matter how hard you scrub, you can't get it off yourself. So if you want a sweet smell before God, you must start with Jesus Christ. The end of this service will invite you to come to the altar and we'll have someone show you how you can know that Jesus is your Savior. See, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, it says from the the prophet, by the inspiration of God, he says, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as what? White as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. It starts with Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savor. In my Bible, in the Bible account, the first time God smelled a sweet smell was when Noah offered to God in his thankfulness for his provision, his protection, and his deliverance. Genesis chapter 8. You see, why are you spending so much time on the beginning of this? Because I want you to understand God has perfect sense of smell, He does. Genesis chapter 8. 
They've come out of the ark, and the animals have come forth out of the ark. And in verse 20, it says, And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast, and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a what? Sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. Because of the willing sacrifice that Noah made. they just come out of the ark. God had just saved them from the worldwide flood where they all died except Noah, his wife, his sons, and their wives and the animals that were on the ark. That's the first time we find it says a sweet smell, a savor. See, that sweet smell also harkens back to the Old Testament incense and perfume used by the priest to anoint the altar and the tabernacle. For the sake of time, we won't turn there, but you'll find that in Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 through 38. If you're writing it down, it's Exodus 30, 22 through 38. And that incense was not to be used for personal use. It was sanctified unto God. And it was a sweet smell when the priest of God anointed the tabernacle, anointed the altar. It was also used to anoint the temple for the use of God. It was pleasing to Him. That sweet smell. That sweet smell. Turn to Revelation chapter 5. We still have a midweek prayer meeting. Do you know that many churches don't? The first meeting that gets left off is the prayer meeting. Revelation chapter 5. We have the case in verse 6. It says, And behold, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, pointing to sacrifice, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne because they were crying in heaven, Who can open the book? Who can open the seals? That's what they cried. And the Lamb came. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of what? Full of odors, which are the one of the least availed and least used things of believers is the gift of prayer that comes before an almighty God on His throne in heaven. Choosing to surrender and submit themselves so that they have to pray to someone who could do what they could not do. 
They lower the prayers of the saints. You're saying, I thought you were going to preach about missions. I am. I am. I'm preaching about missions. I want you to understand. There's things that are a sweet savor before God. You need to read your Bible every day. You need to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God's words matter to God. But the prayers of His children matter so much that He keeps them. There's times when things have weighed so heavy on my heart. I've gone in a room and just cried. And said, God, why? God, please. And I couldn't even voice other things. And then I find in the book that he keeps all the tears because he's checking the heart. And I can tell you God is always good and God is always right. See, the sweet smell of Philippians chapter 4, turn back there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, But I have all and abound and am full and have received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Well, they're just talking about the incense and stuff they sent to them so he could sell. No. A sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable. I love that. Well-pleasing. It refers to their missions giving. Look at verse 10 of the same chapter. Philippians 4. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye also were careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Pastor Kennedy mentioned it in the Sunday school hour. I'm going to mention it right now. When you want to complain about cost, I, was, I went got gas at Costco, the cheapest place around. Got a membership there, get it. It went back up to 3.38 a gallon. Okay, it gotten as high as almost four, then it dropped down to like 3.13. And people are going, you who, waha. And I look at him and said, yeah, thank President Biden that it's over $3 a gallon. And I get those looks. And then I try to hand him a track. You know what we heard? In Point Hope, Alaska, that which they heat their homes with, that which most of them have to use with their vehicles, and that's a place where you better have a block heater or your block ain't going. Okay? Because we don't know what cold is like they know what cold is. Reaching people for Jesus Christ. Over $10 a gallon for diesel. Why do we increase our missionaries when they run and they face times like that? Philippians 4.10, your care of me hath flourished again. Philippians 4.14, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Hmm? Why? Do you realize that sometimes when a person needs strength, God uses another person? To be the one to strengthen them. 
talking with the grandchildren and they're talking about they had been studying Moses, okay, and they're talking about, and they had to make sure to give me the names of the, the two men that held up Moses' arms as the battle was being fought before they crossed the Red Sea. If Moses had dropped his arm, what would have happened to the Israelites? So Paul was, could do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth him, but he used others to do that strengthening. You know what faith promise missions giving is? Is you strengthening them. Amen? He goes on. And he's talking about them communicating with him and with his affliction. Isn't that amazing? Notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate. They didn't just say, oh, brother, you have a need, I'll pray for you. Communication isn't just words, it's actions. Now communicate with my affliction in verse 14. Verse 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning what? Giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. It says, even in Thessalonica, verse 16, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. So a church in Philippi supported the Apostle Paul so he could go there to Thessalonica and plant a church in two weeks. And they supported him. He didn't have to spend his time trying to make tents so he could have food to eat that night. Because he was a tent maker. They supported him. They supported a missionary. This Philippian church, turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is the church referred to. You ready? People say, I would give if I had it. No, you've got it. You've got to learn to give it. I don't have it. You've got it. Moreover, brethren, we do you to the wit, the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of where? So the grace of God being bestowed upon those churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction and the abundance of their joy and their what? Deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. That's a fancy word. You know what it means? They gave freely. Liberality. For to their power I bear record. So they gave what they thought they could. And beyond their power, they were willing to give of themselves, praying with us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first they gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Look at that. Philippi was the chief city of Macedonia. How do I know that? Ask Pastor Kenny. No. Acts chapter 16, I'm going to read you a verse. See, if you read the whole counsel of God, you get the answer you want. Okay? In verse 12 it says, And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. Chief city. And they sent. 
so he could preach to another. Okay? And it tells us back in our text in Philippians that it was acceptable. Acceptable. A sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, because the Philippian church gave themselves first, that you present your what? Bodies. See, because you'll do what your body does. Isn't that amazing? I had someone said to me, well, I was with you in spirit. That's not quite the same. That's like when someone takes a stand and fights, because and with God, one is the majority, and he, he, he saves by many or by few, doesn't he? And a few take a stand, and once the stand is taken and God gives the victory, the other ones, we were with your brother in spirit. Were you? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Oh, you mean sometimes what my body is supposed to have is going to be less than what I want it to be because I've sacrificed it unto God? That's the context. Honest, true, and I'm not trying to say anything to shame you. I'm trying to help you to understand because I want God to bless you. I've given testimony early on in this church when we first started with Faith Promise Missions Giving. I got broken really bad. We had nothing to give. And you've heard, People who have been in the church a long time have heard this and said, we've heard it, Pastor, we've heard it. But there were people, you need to understand, we had nothing to give. I couldn't work. I was getting $50 a month from the church. And it came time to have Faith Promise Missions Giving, and we increased our Faith Promise Missions Giving, which was more than... It was $50 a week, not $50 a month. It was $200 a month. It was more than what the church was giving us at that time. I looked at Judy, and she's going, we don't have anything. And I said, well, we, that's why we need to increase it. God's going to have to meet this need. I'm just being honest with you. And I told her, I said, I'll give up Pepsi. Do I look like I ever gave up Pepsi? Everybody wants me to. I try, and then it sings the song of the sirens, and Pastor Guinea shakes his head. And we make a commitment out of what we have. Does that mean something something else is going to have to give with it? It was an acceptable sacrifice. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that it may abound on what? An account. On your account. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 12, it says, so, every, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself before God. That's the judgment seat of Christ. Do you know, you, you need to get saved. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. But once you get saved, you know what you opened in heaven? An eternal bank account. An eternal bank account. Your prayers get put into that. Your giving gets put into that. Your standing for right, your witnessing gets put into that account. Hmm? See, you open an account, and then you've got to make deposits. You've got to make deposits. Man, you want to have a good marriage? Before you start making emotional withdrawals with your wife, make sure you've made some deposits so your check doesn't bounce. Sometimes people say their prayers don't get answered. Well, you know what? You've overdrawn your account. There was this rich man. 
he was a million, multi-millionaire. And he, he says, I'm not leaving and I'm taking it with me. And his first wife died and he got married to a second wife and she was with him for 20 years. And that guy, he was miserly and he didn't take care of his family right and he didn't take care of this, but he had a very large bank account. And he told everybody, when I die, it's going to get buried with me. I'm taking my money with me. And it was right in his will. His wife had to make sure that his money was with him. So they had the calling hours, and there's not as many people there should have been because he spent more time on his things than he did on trying to reach people and doing what he should have done. And they had the service. And just before the service, his widow comes up to the casket, takes her checkbook, writes out a check, and throws it in on top of him. His check bounced. You can't take things of the world with you. He finally took care of his family right after he had passed because she opened the account up after probate. You make deposits. You remember this, if you're saved, you are a priest before God. Not only are you a priest, you've got to remember, the, the, that sweet-smelling savor was to anoint the altar and the tabernacle and the temple, right? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have, which is in you? You're anointed by the Holy Ghost. He's made you priests and kings. You've got both positions. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. If you missed the Sunday school hour, you should go back and listen to it. Pastor Kinney didn't know what message I was preaching this morning. And he's talking about Cain and Abel. And he talked about Good, good sacrifice, acceptable sacrifice, and perfect. He also has lively stones, talking to believers, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And the level of sacrifice speaks to your commitment. Conversation was said to have taken place between a hen and a hog. When they passed by a church and noticed that on the message title board out front of the church, it had to do with giving to missions. After a couple of minutes, the hen said, I know, we can, we can help. We can donate a ham and eggs breakfast. The hog protested, saying the breakfast would only be a contribution for you, but for me it would mean total commitment. What's your sacrifice? It's acceptable. Verse 18 in Philippians chapter 4 a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Not just pleasing. Well-pleasing. That's when you turn around and you tell your kids, make your beds. And they do it and, and you're pleased. And they said, but I also picked up all my clothes, folded the clean ones and put them in the drawers, hung up the ones that need to be hung, 
and then vacuum my bedroom and, your, and the upstairs for you too, Mom. And you go, oh, that's well-pleasing. You get the picture? It's not just pleasing. Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, By Him, that's Jesus Christ, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto His name, but to do good and to communicate. Remember, communicating for them was giving. To communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Well pleased. Do you know that tithing is found in the Old Testament? It's assumed in the New Testament. It pleases God, but it's required. Malachi 3 says you're robbing from God if you don't tithe. Now, that's a tithe of all your increase. When you got up this morning, God increased you another day unless he takes you home. Do you get, does God get a tenth of your day? All week long? Not just on Sundays? It's his. A tenth of your time. A tenth of your praise. A tenth of your, your actions. A tenth. A tithe. You owe it to him. A tenth of your increase. Your material things. Does he get them? He's pleased when you do, but you're just fulfilling the commandment. Right? You're an unfaithful servant because you're doing this. All right? See, it says because it was just by obedience. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 again. Now, we read through verse 5 about the Philippian church. And then it says in verse 6, Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he began so, that he would finish in you this same grace also. He's telling the Corinthian church he wants them to learn to give like the Philippian church. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and in utterance, in knowledge, and in diligence, and in your love of, to us, see that ye abound in what? Grace giving. I speak not by commandment. In other words, it's not a command like the tithe. I speak not by commandment, by the, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others. The Philippian church. And to prove the sincerity of your... Wait a minute. Do you mean missions giving is a picture of your love for God? It's not commanded. You can't command love, can you? Love is a choice. In sincerity of your love, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And therein, herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you that have begun before not only to do, but to be forward a year ago. Now to perform the doing of it, there was a readiness to will. There's the thoughts. So there must be a performance out of that which ye what? You can't give what you don't have. For if there must first be if there be first a willing mind it is accepted according to the man hath, and not according to the hath not. Do you see that? It's your demonstration of your love for God. It's not tied to your wealth. We won't turn there, but in, in Mark chapter twelve, verses forty one through forty two, you see the story of the in a true story of the the widow who cast in two mites. 
And Jesus said she gave more than all the abundance of the rich people who thrown in majors amount of money because they had given of their abundance just a part. She had given all that she had. Hers was a sweet, smiling savor before God. See, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 4, Pastor Kinney's already said, you know what you need to do? You need to pray over your faith promised missions giving. If you're going to get involved or if you're going to continue to be involved, are you going to increase your giving? Verse 4 says, Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Are you praying over it? See, you're supposed to pray. Look at verse 5. In this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. It was a decided commitment. And we see that it's decided and it's giving and it comes out of what you already have. So it's not faith promise missions giving is not. And I want to just explain this to you. It's not. I'm going to pray by faith and I'm going to put out on the card that I'm going to give by faith this amount of money and if God gives it to me, I'm going to put it in. That's what messed up a lot of people on faith promise missions giving in churches. They said they'd pray, and if God gave it, they would give it. That's not what it's about. You give out of what you have. And you make a decided commitment. And you say, Lord, I by faith in you am going to give this out of what I have. And I make that commitment for this next year, whether it's a weekly, monthly, We've had people give it all at once. I don't know how that, how that works. I've never been able to do that. But they mark it down on this card, however that's going to be. They don't put their name on it. They fold it up. They put it in and we collect it. We collect it Wednesday night. Then we collect it the following two Sundays. And then we know our total amount. Generally, the major portion of it is by that Wednesday night. And you keep this record. So you remember what your commitment is. How many of you ever forget a commitment when you didn't write it down? That's what that card's for. Okay, you're making a commitment. And it's out of what you already have. So if you make a commitment and you've got to go without something, give up your Pepsi. I'd said I'd give it up and God never made me do it. And we've always increased. Not always by great amounts, but I'm just being honest. I don't ask anybody to do something I won't do. You understand that? I think I'd be a phony preacher, wouldn't I? See, it's not something you hope to get by faith, but something that you hope God will replace. And if he doesn't, you're willing to do it even if he doesn't replace it. You say, what? Man, you talking about that being faith? Yeah. Yeah, that is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, even whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image that thou hast set up. 
Faith in the Old Testament. Did they get taken out of the fire? No, but there was one like the Son of Man who went through the fire with them and they came out untouched. Now, the other false prophets and the magicians that got thrown in after Nebuchadnezzar got angry didn't have the same result. Still with me? A preacher called Chaplain McCabe, okay? Because I believe you should teach your kids to start giving the missions. They should tithe of everything, of their increase, and you should teach them to give the missions. A preacher called Chaplain McCabe sent out to raise $1 million for missions. This was back in the 1800s. He became very discouraged by the lack of money coming in. One day, while going through the mail that was particularly discouraging, he finally came across a letter from a a little boy. Inside was a nickel with a letter which read, Dear Chaplain McCabe, I am sure you're going to get a million dollars for missions, and I'm going to help you too, so here's a nickel towards it. It's all the money I have right now, but if you need any more, you just call on me. Reverend McCabe used that nickel when he went to other churches to talk about giving to missions, touched the hearts of other people, and you know what he did? He reached his goal. Because even a child is known by his doings whether they be right or not. Say, why is it important? You're going to give by faith. Some of you may not give by faith. Some of you will give. You'll say, well, we can do this. We're doing it. I'm not. I don't know. It's between you and God. It will be a good sacrifice, however you do it. For it to be acceptable, it's got to be by faith. To be perfect, that complete sacrifice, it's, man, I'm trusting in God for this, and I'm going to do it hoping, praying that God replaces, but I'm going to do it because this is what I believe is right with God. Philippians 4.18 But I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you in odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply what? according to his riches and glory, by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. My God shall supply what? He didn't say all you want. He said all you need. See, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Please stand. I haven't preached the law of sowing and reaping in a while. I think Pastor Kenny's preached some of it. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, He's your Lord and Savior. Maybe you think you smell pretty good, but God says you stink. You need to be saved. You come, we'll have someone show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. Believer, you're going to make the Faith Promise Missions Conference? You're going to make a step of faith? It's between you and God. We do not know who gives what. The only person knows is the treasurer and the person accounting with them because the checks get made out unless you do it all in cash. Cash is gladly received. Checks are gladly received. Zell is gladly received. Credit card, gladly received. It'll go to serving God. 
2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to read a passage and then we will close. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every every man according as he purposed, see, it's been called grace giving, it's been called purpose giving, purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound in every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that minister seed to the sower both minister bread to you for your food, and multiplieth your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. A sweet-smelling savor to help for those who go where we're not. To be able to allow them to go to the othermost parts of the earth. To go next door. To go start a church in another area of this country. To go to Canada, to Mexico, Mexico, to Europe, to Africa, to the Middle East, to Israel to the Arctic, to South America, to Russia, to India, to China. That's what next week is about. You want God to come back? You want our Savior to come back? Show your love. There's people who need to be saved. And He's coming back when He says, I'm done. That one was the last one. You can give however you give, whether it's just out of what you decide, if it's out of what you pray. The Missions Conference is about the heart of this church and its love for the one who gave all for us. We invite you to make sure you take part of it because it will speak to your heart and we will see what God will do through Emmanuel Baptist Bible Church, the family this church is, in the next coming week and a half. God speaking to your heart, maybe you need to come. Maybe it's some other issue. But I know in the last days it says men's hearts wax cold. Let it not be our hearts here. Let our love to be able to be known. Let it be a testimony to other churches so we can encourage them by our liberality. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the chance to preach your word and pray you'd bless this message. Father, you've spoken to my heart in the preparation, in the commitment, in the leading of your Spirit. And I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit can have his will and way in each and every heart. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.